Thanks for joining our Sunday morning service live stream. We are glad that you're able to join us this morning. We are happy to be a servant of God's word to you this morning. Thanks for joining up. If you're from the Living Waters Church family and you are sick or on vacation, we want to bring you greetings, say hello, hope you are doing well. We pray that this stream would bless you this morning. Thanks for tuning in to hear God's word. If you're outside the Des Moines metro area and you are just tuning in to hear about the gospel of Jesus, we are thankful that you're doing that. We would encourage you to find a good gospel church in your local area, a church that preaches the Bible, loves the, loves the word of God, loves the gospel. We would encourage you to find a local church that you can go to every Sunday. And just a reminder that joining our live stream, though wonderful, is no substitute for the, the real, live, active attendance and participation in a local gospel church. So we would encourage you to find a gospel preaching church near you. And if you're in our neighborhood, we would love for you to come visit Living Waters. We think it's a pretty awesome place. There should be a place for you here at Living Waters. So may God bless you. Thanks for tuning in this morning. So glad to see you early this morning for our second time at 8.30. All right, you guys are here. Let's go ahead and let's stand, and we're going to start our morning with some worship of singing. What a glorious day it is to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen? All right, let's sing. It was my doom. 
this morning. You may be seated. Amen. Good morning, Living Waters. It's a small crowd, but it's growing. It's growing. Uh, some announcements this morning. I'm Pastor Rob, if you don't know me. I'm Connections and Youth Pastor here at Living Waters. Kids for Truth and Youth will be starting up September 11th, so make sure you get your kids uh, signed up at Kids for Truth. There's a QR code at the check-in station at the nursery door. So make sure that you sign in there, check your kid in there. Starting point, small group will also be starting September 11th, and you can sign up on the Church Center app for that. So make sure that you get plugged into a small group if you're not plugged into one yet. And then there's going to be a building work day on August 20th. That's from 8 to noon. And you can sign up at the Church Center app as well. And then on the 27th, 
we're going to have a moving day because the offices from that are over at IHCC are going to be moved here. So that's going to be the 27th from 10 to noon. So uh, go ahead and sign up for that as well. That will be a good time of moving stuff. So uh, baptisms are happening today at Easter Lake following the second service. So come on out, see people, listen to their testimonies, and uh, watch them as they, they, they identify with Christ through the waters of baptism. So we don't pass a plate for offering around here. If you would like to give, we have offering boxes in the back, or you can go ahead and give online at the church center. That's all I have. <laughs> Short and sweet. We love it. All right, let's go ahead and let's stand once more. We're going to pray, and then we'll continue our service here. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for bringing us here safely and to be able to be underneath your word this morning, Lord, as we hear the teaching and preaching of your word. Lord, it's just a, a blessing to have the freedoms to gather freely and to worship you freely. And uh, God, you are doing great things here around the metro and around on the south side here at Living Waters. And God, we just want to ask for your, your guidance this morning. May our ears be ready to hear the truth that you offer us, Lord, and may our hearts be transformed this morning in the likeness of your Son. Lord, we're thankful for that glorious day of knowing that we can meet you face to face if we put our trust and faith in Christ Jesus, and we thank you for the cross. We thank you for what he's done for us, that we can be redeemed and restored with you. We give all of you these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Wrong. That's the right key. There we go.
for the reading of God's Word. This is Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. I know in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, When I left Macedonia, no church entered into the partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise God for the reading and hearing of his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the singing. Lord, may it be a testimony That is true. It is well with our souls. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross and his resurrection from the dead and our faith in him, it is well with our souls. Oh God, make it so this morning. Our hearts run toward discontentment. Lord, in a crowd this size, there is no doubt many individuals who are struggling right now with contentment in their life. They want to be satisfied in you, but Lord, the circumstances right right now are overpowering them. And I pray that your word through the Holy Spirit would supernaturally touch their hearts. Because Jesus, you are enough us. You're more than enough. And oh God, would you satisfy the heart of every person here who knows you as Savior. And God, we pray for those who are still outside of salvation. Would you lead them to forgiveness of sins and repentance and faith that is genuine. And God, we trust you for your word to go forward now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to Living Waters. My name is uh, Josh, preaching pastor here. So thankful you're with us today. If you're not doing anything a little bit later today at around 1130, you can come to Easter Lake Beach on the east side of the beach. We are going to be huddled around 
as Christians to be celebrating a couple baptisms. One is Ezra DeClean. Praise God for that. Ezra's in the back, our faithful sound man, Ezra. Yep, there you are, right there. He's the man of the moment. And then also Ava Campbell as well will be giving testimony of her faith in Jesus. So if you have been baptized before, come to Easter Lake Beach at 1130 and lend some encouragement. And I think you'll, your soul will be really encouraged by watching those two uh, get baptized. So I love the book of Philippians. I absolutely love this little book. I'm so thankful we got to go through this book. It is a letter of joy. I have been blessed by this book time and time again in my own life. I thank God for the book of Philippians. Amen? Don't you? Real joy is the theme of this little letter from Paul to the church at Philippi. And certainly, this letter delivers the message of joy over and over again. Whenever I'm down or discouraged or frustrated with my Christian walk, Philippians is the book I go to. Time and time again, it has delivered on-time joy for me and given me perspective in my life. And I praise God that we've gotten to preach through this. This is the last sermon in the series, and we are jumping into other things as we go into the fall season, but we praise God for this little book. Now, what's the secret? That's the question I want to ask you this morning. What's the secret? What's the secret? You guys ever asked that question or been asked that question? Of course you have. What's the secret? So this happens a lot to us. What's the secret to the cup o cookies at the state fair? Can I get a witness? What is the secret with that stuff? You get a cup of those things. It is something magical in the ingredients of that cup of cookies that I can just but in the handfuls, just put those cookies down and not stop because there's something secretive about what they do. I'm not sure what they're putting in that stuff. I'm not sure I want to know either. What's the secret? Some of you, what's the secret? What's the secret to parenting? Wouldn't you like to know? What's the secret? Isn't there a book? Isn't there this quick resource that I could go to for parenting? Grandparenting is fairly easy. Sugar them up. Amen. Spoil them like crazy. Get them out your door before anything else happens. But what's the secret to parenting? That is a secret some of you want to know. What is the secret to Chick-fil-A sauce? All God's people said, amen. Listen, they're closed today. You can't go there. But what's the secret to that stuff? I love Chick-fil-A sauce. Absolutely love it. What is the secret? What about this? What's the secret to great friendships? That's a more serious question. What's the secret? Why do some people have lots of friends and great friends? And why do I have no friends? Some of you are asking, like, I need more friends, and I see XYZ person over here. They seem to have great friendships. How is that possible that they have great friendships? What's the secret, right? C.S. Lewis once described friendship this way. He said, friendship is having a similar interest or a similar uh, common insight to something, and two people 
are in that interest or that insight together and they say something like this, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Isn't that how friendship goes? Great friendships are what? You too? You like this too? I thought I was the only one. And then all of a sudden friendship happens. So Paul is going to be telling us a secret. He's going to be telling us a secret this morning in Philippians 4. And there are a few things that drive us crazy in life more than this. It's a secret. We hate that phrase. When we're not in the know and we're trying to figure out what's going on, it's a secret. My girls tell me that all the time. It's a secret, Daddy. I can't tell you. I'm your father. You can tell me right now. I want to know what I'm getting for Christmas. It's a secret, girls. That's not fair. You just told me I can't keep secrets, but you're keeping secrets. You got presents stored somewhere in this house. Paul's going to tell us a secret this morning. And here's the secret. He's going to tell us the secret of what joyful gospel partnerships are and how they work. Paul is going to tell us about this mystery called joyful gospel partnerships. How? What are they? How do they work? Paul is going to tell us the secret of what makes great gospel partnerships work with joy. Now, a gospel partnership is unlike friendship, and it's unlike cup of cookies at the state fair. It is a relationship between another believer and yourself that excites you, edifies you, blesses you, supplies you, and you give the same thing to them. That's a gospel partnership. It is a relationship between two Christians by which you are excited, you are edified, you are blessed, and you are supplied in that relationship. Paul had this relationship with this Philippian church. They were a partner in the gospel with him. He says it in verse 10. So if you want to look with me in verse 10, it says, I rejoiced in the Lord, I had joy in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern or your partnership. You have revived your partnership with me. For you indeed were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So there's verse 10. Paul is saying, I, I'm so thankful sitting in this Roman prison that you have revived your concern for me in the form of a financial gift that was delivered to me from you in this jail cell that I'm in. Now, gospel partnerships are not automatic, as you will discover. Many a church and many a Christians have gone sour when they have tried to combine the wrong formula for gospel partnerships. Churches have fallen apart. You know, individuals have gotten driven apart in their relationships because they were partnering in the gospel, but now they're not anymore because things went sour. Now, Paul was excited about this gospel partnership, and he was always really excited about his gospel partnerships in Scripture. If you read Paul's letters in the New Testament, he's always excited. He's always pumped about the people that are supporting him in the gospel, that he's doing ministry with, and he always was taking great joy in those partnerships. So Paul made it a habit to express his excitement. If you read Romans 16, for instance, you'll read all these the names. Like Romans 16, pop, 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 pop. 
There's all these names that Paul is writing down saying, look at all these gospel partnerships that I have. And Paul loved this. So Paul is saying in this text, I'm so renewed, verse 10, I'm so excited because you are reviving your concern for me. And, and if you've had this happen to you, you understand what Paul's saying. If you have laid out your heart for Christ in serving Christ or taking a risk for Christ or doing a Bible study or a ministry thing for Christ, and you've had someone come up alongside of you and say, I love you. I want to partner with you in what God has called you to do. You know how thrilling that is. It is one of the most amazing feelings that you've ever felt because you know that someone is with you, supporting you in what you're doing, laying your life down for the gospel. So Paul is going to give us these secrets. Now, when gospel partnership happens with joy, you know what happens? Neighborhoods change. Families change. People's lives change. When Christians get on the same page with one another about gospel partnership, transformation happens. Can I get an amen? That's what happens all over the place. The, the problem with society today is that we are struggling as Christians to get on the same page with one another. Can I get a witness for that? We got people claiming the name of Jesus who take this position over here, and you got other people claiming the name of Jesus, taking positions over here, and an unbelieving world watches on on social media and on the news and everywhere else and says, these Christians who profess Jesus, they can't get on the same page about anything. So what in the world is the power of their gospel partnership? Nothing. But when it happens for real, when a church gets together and says, this is the partnership we have with one another, things change. Neighborhoods change, lives change for the glory of God. So here's the interrogative question. What's the secret to joyful gospel partnerships? What's the secret, Paul? What's the secret sauce? Well, I'm going to give you two main elements this morning that you have to have for joyful gospel partnerships. And element number one is this, a satisfied servant. The first element of joyful gospel partnerships is a satisfied servant servant, verses 11 through 13. Not that I am being, speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul starts in verse 11 with a phrase, not that I am speaking of being in need. Paul was no beggar. He was no beggar. He was not sitting on the side of a road being a poverty guy begging for money for his ministry. That's not Paul. He doesn't have a cardboard sign out there saying, oh, please help me. Gospel ministry in Rome. Help me out. That's not Paul. All right. He's like, I'm not speaking to you out of this need that I have. And he says, I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content. I've learned the secret of having lots or having a little. Now, the word learn there in verse 11 and in verse 12, it means to learn by use or practice. Contentment, if you didn't know, is a learned process. You don't just fall out of bed one morning and all of a sudden you're content all the time in your heart. Can I get an amen? It doesn't just happen that way. Contentment is a learning process. You don't just magically get it Contentment is a, 
is a Christian spiritual dynamic inside the heart and soul of a person who confesses Christ. And it is a learned process. Now, we as sinners are naturally discontent. Do you guys agree? We are naturally discontent. So it is normal. We live in a discontented world and we have naturally discontented hearts. We are constantly discontent. To be discontent is easy. Our sinful hearts enjoy discontentment. Think about your week this week. How many of you found it very easy to be discontent with your circumstances? Yeah. How many of you spoke about the, your discontentment to people? You probably did. Time to start confessing, Christians, that you sinned this week. Some of you ran to discontentment more than you did gratitude. And that is the reality of being in a sinful place. Now, look at our lives. Look how sin feeds the discontentment of our physical circumstances. We look at our circumstances and we say, oh, they could be better. I wish they were better. Now, part of that's just longing for heaven. Amen? That's a good thing. But the other part of that is very sinful because we say, if I just had this, maybe I would feel better about me. Our physical possessions, what we have, what we don't have, our house, our car, our possessions, our relationships. How about our salary? I wish, we, I, wish I could just make $10,000 more. How many of you would say yes and amen to that this morning? I want to make 10 more grand per year. Praise God, right? Everybody would say that. That's inside of you. Every day of your life, that's inside of you. I wish I had $10 more thousand dollars. I have people at our church that tell me about what they're going to do when they win the lottery. Pastor, someday when I win the lottery and I strike it big, you know what I'm going to do? What are you going to do, man? I'm going to build the church. I'm going to remodel the church. I'm going to just take care of this with one fell swoop of my signature on a check for you. You know how many checks I've received from Powerball winners in our church? <laughs> this many right here, zero. You know why? Well, one, because it's a waste of money. Two, <laughs> two, because we live in this land in our brains of discontent. Like if I had more stuff, if I had more money, if I had better salaries, if I had more friends, if I had more relationships, if my perceived social status was higher, if I had more education. Look, every advertising dollar on the internet is meant to make you discontent. Every screen in your life, television, pad, iPads, phones, every single screen in your life is meant to drive your sinful, discontented heart to say, I need more. I'm not content with what I have. Maybe if I order Amazon one more time, I will feel content in my soul. Maybe if Amazon could speed it up a little bit, give me that two-hour delivery stuff that all the rich people have, then I'd be really happy. No, you wouldn't. Our sinful hearts drive us, and we don't get to heaven because Amazon delivers stuff to our house. We get to heaven through contentment in Jesus Christ alone. 
Contentment in God is a learned process given by God over time through God's providential plan for our life. He brings us into situations so that we will learn the secret to being satisfied with your life. Why is God giving you the circumstances that he has? He's doing it because he is a providentially good God. And he is trying to get your eyes off of all the circumstances that you think are going to defeat you. And he's trying to get your eyes on Jesus so that you, like Paul of old, will find your satisfaction in him. Not anything else. The Apostle Paul said this is a process. And I just want to give you some grace right now. It's a process to learn contentment. So don't give up. Amen. Don't give up. <laughs> God's at work in your life. He's at work in your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and your Thursday to make you go through this process so you learn contentment in your life. Paul's attitude was this. If I have Jesus, I have all that I need. If I've got Christ, I've got all that I need. Paul said, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I know how to have, be, have plenty, but I also know what hunger is, and I know abundance, and I know need. Paul's life was an experience that told him gospel partnerships, sometimes there's money in those gospel partnerships, and sometimes there's no money in those partnerships. And Paul said, sometimes you get humbled in ministry, sometimes you abound in blessings in ministry. And Paul says, yeah, I've seen both, I've experienced both. And let me tell you this, it doesn't matter whether I have a lot or a little. It doesn't matter if people give to the budget or don't give to the budget. My joy is not based off of the giving of others. My joy is based off of Jesus Christ and my relationship with him. Paul had learned to be genuinely joyful in whatever situation he was in. My goodness, he's leading a gospel ministry from jail. Can we give him some credit? That's an amazing thing. He understands he's leading ministry in a very difficult spot. He hadn't heard from the Philippian church in 10 years when he got that gift. 10 years. He started the church. 10 years later, he gets a financial gift from that church, and he's like, wow, praise God. Look at this. I haven't heard from this church that I love in 10 years. And here they are giving me a gift. How cool. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This phrase has nothing to do with dunking a basketball. Nothing to do with dunking a basketball. Growing up in Sunday school, I saw this poster, Sunday school room, third grade. Mark Stalkoff was my teacher. And there was a picture of this guy dunking a ball like this with that verse on it. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm like, wow, cool. Trust in Jesus, you get hops. I'm in. I want to dunk. You know what I never did in my life? Dunk. I never dunked. Philippians 4.13 is not the problem. My legs were the problem. Amen? All right. And this is a famous verse in Christianity. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's on your walls. It's on your social media posts. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's the deal. 99% of the time, this verse is being misused. It doesn't mean you get whatever you want through Christ who strengthens you. It means you can get through anything. Lots of money, no money. You can get through it all through Christ. 
and his power at work within you. Paul is saying that he can endure any physical circumstance in ministry. Having financial blessing or having no money at all. Our 2022 approved budget for this church is $384,000. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Great. That's what we're operating off of. What if it were zero? What if it were zero? What if the world fell apart and we have a zero budget for next year? That's what Paul's talking about. Would Jesus still be good? Would he still be satisfying? Would he still be our savior? Would he still be the one that we look to? I hope so. Here, listen to what Paul said. He said, I'm a satisfied servant. If we have food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Are you kidding me? 1 Timothy 6, 8. With food and clothing, with we, these we shall be content. Contentment with godliness is great gain. Paul doesn't even throw in a house. Doesn't even throw a house in there. It's just food and clothing. That's all you get to be content in Christ. How many of you were just overjoyed this week on Thursday when you woke up and you had clothes to, to wear and you had food to eat? Many of us were like, yeah, whatever. If it's not state fair food, it's kind of like less than, you know? Paul is saying this. Your joy is to be a satisfied servant of Christ, no matter what. So whether you got a lot or a little, we've done church in my basement. We've done church at Easter Lake Park. We've done church in school hallways. We've done church in office buildings. We've done church in tents, in theaters. And now we bought a grocery store to do church in. So praise the Lord. We have some perspective, right, of what it means to have little what it means to have almost nothing, but we have the Bible and we have the gospel, which means we have everything. And before we get all high and mighty, like, well, yeah, look at us. We, we really, really appreciate what we have here. We have so far to go. I would say we're growing in our perspective of being content. But I'm also a realist. I'm a pastor in this church. I understand the complaints and the comments of people. And I could say this very strongly and very clearly and very confidently that we have not arrived in contentment. We have a long ways to go. Amen? And that's what Jesus is doing inside of us. And I, I think as long as we understand that, God will bless. And when we get our eyes off of Jesus Christ as our satisfying Savior, we're in trouble. Second Chronicles 16, 9, his eyes run to and fro over all the earth to give strong help to those whose heart is completely his. When you're full of Jesus, you don't need anything else. Doesn't mean you don't work, doesn't mean you don't have responsibilities, but when you are satisfied with Christ, that's how joyful gospel partnerships start. They start with satisfied servants of God. And when there are satisfied servants of Jesus, there, there is a potential for great gospel partnerships. My question for you this morning is this. Are you a satisfied servant of Jesus this morning? Just take, take a little survey of your heart right now. Are you satisfied in Jesus right now? And if not, why not? Are you content with what you have? Are you satisfied with your circumstances? That providence has brought your way. For some of you, God is exposing you right now. 
the Holy Spirit is talking to you because you know you're not content with God. Well, it's time to confess that and come to Jesus. He's ready to satisfy you and meet you. But that is the first element of a joyful gospel partnership. Second element is a generous patron. A generous patron, verses 14 through 20. Paul says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me needs, uh, money for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. The gifts that you sent are a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And then the famous verse, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul says in verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Paul is a satisfied servant of Jesus, but make no mistake, he is thankful for the Philippians' financial support. He's satisfied in Jesus, but he's also like, hey, thank you that I see that offering. I thank God for that offering. They were his patrons. What is a patron? What is a patron? A patron is an individual or a group who uses wealth, physical wealth, to help an individual, an institution, or a cause. And these Philippian church people were, were Paul's patrons. They were the ones who helped him along. And he says, no church entered into the partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. The Philippians were financial donors to Paul's gospel ministry. They as a church chose not only to pray for Paul, but they also participated in giving and receiving. They were patrons to this satisfied servant of Jesus. So the Philippians, they did a lot more than just pray. You know, sometimes we as Christians say, hey, I'm praying for you, praying for you, praying for you. And sometimes we as churches do that. Hey, I'm praying for you, praying for you. But if it was anything beyond prayer, if it actually reality hit and you had to like give some money to someone who is in need, it would be a real struggle. Because you're like, hey, dude, I'm praying. I don't need to do anything more than that. But sometimes gospel ministry needs to be supported, not by prayers only, but by money. And the churches that Paul was interested in or Paul had planted, they had to support him. And I would say 2,000 years later, churches should support gospel servants. Amen? Churches should support gospel servants. It's always been this way in Scripture. The gospel needs generous patrons. That's just true. Not everybody can preach. Not everybody can teach. Not everybody can evangelize. Not everybody can do all the ministries. But Lots of people can give. Lots of people can be generous. And sometimes God has set aside certain churches and people and individuals to be patrons. So it's always been that way in the Old Testament and into the New. Have you ever read this verse in Psalm 31? The wicked borrows but does not pay back. Does that bring any stories to your mind of when you've borrowed and not paid back or vice versa? The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. How cool is that? Real gospel partnership involves giving and receiving. That's what Paul said. Financial support that flows from the patron to the servant because of love for Jesus and love for others. 
right now we're doing this, I mean, it's, can I just be honest with you, church? It's been a heavy couple weeks. I mean, it's been very busy, very busy. Early mornings, late nights, lots of communication, lots of people, lots of things. And we're considering next year already. Right now we're considering budget stuff. We're doing all this work in the background for next year. And we're thinking about gospel patron stuff. You know, how do we support gospel ministry at Living Waters? How do we best do that? How do, who do we get behind? How much? What do we do? And Paul says this, as you're considering being generous with your funds, not that he seeks the gift, he seeks the fruit. This is a really important reality about giving. You don't just give because, oh, I have to, ball and chain, got to give to God, got to give to the church, got to give. Paul nails it. He absolutely nails it in verse 17. Not that I seek the gift motive, get into the heart. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul talks about the giving, not as just, hey, thanks for the cash. I can use that at the, the Roman restaurant tonight. Thank you. He's saying, look what you've done. Your gift has come to me, and I don't even really care about the gift. I care about the spiritual fruit that's going to happen in you as you have given to me. How awesome is that? Paul's not concerned about himself. He's concerned about the spiritual blessing on the giver. He's concerned that God blesses that the Philippian church experiences the spiritual fruit that results in the proper use of the money. That's amazing. Because a true, satisfied gospel servant, they don't want the money for themselves mainly. They mainly want the money so that the blessing of God goes to the person who gave it. And and the person who gave it can look at the gospel ministry and say, I am thankful for what God is doing. Look what God's doing through my gift. Look what's happening. That's the spiritual joy that's happening. Now, false teachers, all they want is your money. Can I get an amen, right? That's all they want. How do you know you are dealing with a false teacher? They talk about money all the time. They're on your screen saying, hey, our ministry could really use the money. We would like you to give, and if you give, you will get a Cadillac from Jesus, okay? If you give to our ministry, there will be blessings that come to you. And there's all these things that you're going to get. They want the money. False believers want the money. False teachers want the money. They're concerned about the money. That's what they center their life on. That's how you know if you're in a false ministry. But satisfied gospel servants say, you know what we care about? We care about the spiritual transformation that happens in the hearts and the lives of the people that give and receive. Paul always shows a deeper meaning in giving that there's this massive spiritual world beyond the physical. And he calls it their gift, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Giving is worship. Did you know this? Giving is worship just as much as preaching, teaching, obeying, singing, serving, encouraging, remodeling, counseling, etc. You get the picture. Giving is just as much a gospel ministry any of those other things. So, he said, my God will supply every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you give to God and worship God and you're a gospel patron supporting a spiritually satisfied servant, you can guarantee and take it to the bank that God will supply your need. You're like, I'm risking it. I'm giving 
a check. I'm giving money to this ministry. I'm risking some things. And Paul says, you're not risking a thing if you're supporting gospel ministry because God will supply all your needs. How do I know that? According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's how you know. You're walking by faith. You're giving by faith. Right? Now, if you ask a rich person to give you money out of their riches, hey, rich guy, give me a money out, some, some money out of your riches. That's different than according to. If a rich person gives you money out of his riches, he might give you a hundred bucks. But if you say, hey, rich man, I would like you to give me money according to your riches, according to, according to the measure of what you have, you might get a check for thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars because he's giving according to. You ever see people, rich people give all this money and it's on, it's on famous news lines and all that. And you're like, whoa, that person gave $100,000. Well, according to their, their total bank accounts, that's probably like a dollar for most of us. Amen? Probably true. You got to measure it out. God will meet your needs if you are a gospel patron, and he will do it according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. How rich is Jesus spiritually in heaven right now? Infinitely so. He's infinitely ready and capable to meet every need you have as you step out and give in faith. You can't outgive God. So as we close, band, you guys can come up. How do joyful partnerships work? What's the secret, Paul? What's the secret? A satisfied servant of God. You have to have that. And secondly, you have to have generous gospel patrons. And when those two things combo together, you've got a real joyful partnership in Christ. So, if you're a Christian... Maybe much of your discontent is because you're not satisfied in Jesus. Much of your discontent is because you're not giving. Maybe you're not giving anything to the ministry of the gospel. Those things need to be confessed and gotten right. And for some of you, I want you to just hear this thought as we close. Consider Jesus, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, who, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus was the most satisfied servant in the history of the world. There's no one more satisfied in God than Jesus. He comes down and he just, he's so satisfied. He says, foxes have holes in the ground and, you know, birds have nests in the air. But the son of man, he has no place to lay his head. The infinitely rich Jesus comes down from heaven and he just is so meek and mild among us. And he dies on the cross for our sins and he's the most generous patron you've ever known. Jesus Christ walks the earth. He heals, he forgives, and he gives to people over and over again. He's the patron of all patrons. Jesus is. And even now he's in heaven. He resurrects from the dead. And what is Jesus doing right now, right this moment? What is Christ doing? He is patronizing his church. He is, he is giving to his church. He lives to make intercession for you and me right now before the throne. So Jesus is the satisfied servant. And Jesus is the gospel patron. The question is, do you know him? Have you repented of your sins and come to Christ? Do you know him personally? That's the invitation for you if you don't know Jesus. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Let's sing.
Lord, thank you for the cross of Christ. Thank you for Paul, your apostle. Thank you for the church of Philippi. Thank you for joyful gospel partnerships. And Lord, we all admit this morning we, would, we need to be satisfied. We're discontent with some things. For every Christian in this house, Lord, would you allow them to have the power to confess that sin openly and genuinely to you, Lord, right now. May there be nothing that holds Christians back this morning from getting things right and being satisfied in Jesus alone. Lord, would you please work in our hearts. We thank you for the generosity of so many people at Living Waters over the years. So many gospel patrons have stepped in. So many. And we are so blessed. But Lord, help us in our hearts to be gospel patrons. Help us to give to gospel ministry. Be generous to the poor, to the sick, to the hurt, to the hurting, to the church. Christ, do your work through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. In Christ's name, amen. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his words, his hands, his feet, my Savior on the cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. By heavy stone, Messiah still and Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore, for endless days. We will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. On the third at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again, a triple day.
Well, may God bless you with a joyful, satisfied spirit this morning in Jesus. And if you don't know Christ, may you come talk to one of us. Somebody would love to lead you to Christ and faith in Jesus. And not only may you be, you be satisfied, but may you be a generous patron as well for the glory of God. We love you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.
Thanks for joining our Sunday morning service live stream. We are glad that you're able to join us this morning. We are happy to be a servant of God's word to you this morning. Thanks for joining up. If you're from the Living Waters Church family and you are sick or on vacation, we want to bring you greetings, say hello, hope you are doing well. We pray that this stream would bless you this morning. Thanks for tuning in to hear God's word. If you're outside the Des Moines metro area and you are just tuning in to hear about the gospel of Jesus, we are thankful that you're doing that. We would encourage you to find a good gospel church in your local area, a church that preaches the Bible, loves the, loves the word of God, loves the gospel. We would encourage you to find a local church that you can go to every Sunday. And just a reminder that joining our live stream, though wonderful, is no substitute for the, the real, live, active attendance and participation in a local gospel church. So we would encourage you to find a gospel preaching church near you. And if you're in our neighborhood, we would love for you to come visit Living Waters. We think it's a pretty awesome place. There should be a place for you here at Living Waters. So may God bless you. Thanks for tuning in this morning. So glad to see you here this morning. It's a glorious day to be together and to worship the Lord together. So let's stand and let's start our service with the song this morning. Let's sing to him. Your mercy has saved my soul. 
It's not coming off. Uh, good morning, Living Waters. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Rob, uh, Youth and Connections. Um, if you didn't meet us at the Welcome Center and you are new here at Living Waters, we would love to meet you. And we also have a QR code. If we could just get your information so we can follow up with you at another time, that would be great. Um, the announcements this, this morning are that September 11th, we have Kids for Truth and Youth Group is starting back up. That's September 11th, so make sure that you, if you haven't yet, sign your kids up. Um, Julie's got a QR code going on in the back by the nursery door, so sign your kids up for Kids for Truth. And um, also, starting point, small group will also be starting September 11th, and you can sign up with the Church Center app uh, on the Welcome Center. So, and then... We have a building workday, August 20th. That's 8 to noon. We have a building workday. So if you want to come and work at the building, go ahead and sign up on the Church Center app. We would love to have your help that day. If you've got any more questions on that, see John. Uh, he'll be able to help answer any of those questions that you have. Also on the 27th, we're moving the offices, the church offices from IHCC over to here, to this building. So that's the 27th. It's going to be 10 a.m. to noon. So if you want to come help with that, uh, we would love your help um, moving the offices over here. That's 10 a.m. on the 27th. Baptisms. We have some baptisms today. Right after the service, we're going to be at Easter Lake, and uh, we're going to be watching some people uh, get baptized and uh, share their testimonies of what God has done in their life as they identify with him through baptism. Uh, love it that you're here this morning. Good to see you all. Uh, we don't pass a plate around here for offering. If you would like to give 
we have an offering box in the back, or you can go ahead and give online. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll go along with service. God, thank you. Thank you for the time that we can uh, come and worship you and come and hear from your word and come and be connected with other believers or maybe, uh, God, maybe there's people here that just don't know you and, and aren't connected. God, I just pray that you would um, show yourself to them this morning. Uh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and let's stand once more and we'll sing together. You conquer the grave, you free. 
lift and break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the light. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great things. Oh hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. i 
standing for the reading of the Word of God from Philippians chapter 4. Starting in verse 10, it says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now, at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking out of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. I know in every and any circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into the partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for worship and singing. Thank you for the ability to pray. Lord, we open up our hands to you, and we ask for grace to be given. We pray for the churches all over the metro area. We pray for the
the churches in the state of Iowa right now that are gathering for worship. And, oh, God, we beg you for your grace. We are needy people. Our world is changing so fast. It is evil and sinful, and it denies you and full of pride and arrogance. And, oh, God, there is so much discontentment in this world. So much anger toward you, frustration with circumstances, deep discontentment of the soul. And, oh God, we would be lying if we didn't admit to you right now this morning that even those who know Jesus struggle with this enemy called discontentment. God, would you be so gracious to us and would you speak to us now through the power of the word of God. There's freedom in Jesus. There's contentment in Jesus. There's joy in Jesus. There's satisfaction in Jesus. And the power of the word read and heard is so good to our hearts. God, just bless our service in a great way. Save those who are lost. Would you please sanctify and build up those who do know Christ. And Lord, may this be a significant, memorable, spiritual moment for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are, uh, uh, you may be seated. I was going to say you are dismissed. That would have been the shortest, <laughs> that would have been the shortest uh, service of all time. I think y'all would have been okay with that, right? In a lot of ways. Um. Hey, welcome to church. My name is Josh, preaching pastor here. So thankful that you are here with us this morning. It's a great morning to be at church. It's always a great morning to be at church. Amen? Every, every Sunday we get. What a blessing that is to be together. Uh, this morning, specifically, we get the opportunity after church. If you are not busy, if you don't have immediate lunch plans after church, 1130 over at Easter Lake Beach, on the east side of the beach, we're going to huddle up together as a group of Christians, um, and we'll probably get away from the crowd a little bit so we can hear the testimonies, but we have two individuals getting baptized this morning, Ezra DeClean back there, Ezra, raise your hand right there, yep, Ezra is the man of the hour, yep, we can clap for him, and Ava Campbell, Ava, right here, Ava's getting baptized this morning as well, so that'll be awesome. So if you've been baptized, you know how joyful of a moment this is. A big deal in the Christian life. Baptism is an amazing, wonderful step of obedience. And so uh, we're going to do it at the beach. And those of you who have been baptized at the beach, you know how that goes. It's awesome. It's really good. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not going to comment any further on Easter Lake. But it's going to be great. And we want you to come out. Um, and just celebrate from the, from the beach there, just celebrate with Christians who are obeying Christ and going forward in public um, confession of Jesus, and we're going to celebrate with, that, with them this afternoon. So that'll be 11.30, probably take about half hour or so. Um, we're in Philippians 4. We're finishing Philippians 4. The sermon series has been titled Real Joy, and I want to just make a comment that it has been truly a real joy to preach through Philippians, just the sections that I've gotten to preach. Philippians is one of my favorite letters, maybe my favorite letter of Paul. And whenever I'm discouraged, whenever I'm down, you ever been there before, Christian? Whenever I'm discouraged, I'm down, I'm struggling, Philippians is the place that I go to find encouragement, to find joy, to find 
help in rejoicing. And, and that is where I fight for joy time and time again. And so the book of Philippians has been that. And I love Paul. I love the Apostle Paul so much. And I just, I can't wait to meet him in heaven and, and talk to him about Philippians and what this letter has done for my own heart. I hope you've been blessed by it as well. We are digging into the last section here of this little letter, and we are looking at verses 10 through 20. And Paul is going to tell us about a secret. He's going to tell us an important secret of what it means to have joyful gospel partnerships and what that looks like. Now, What's the secret? Have you ever heard that phrase before or used that phrase? Hey, what's the secret to XYZ? Fill in the blank. All of us have had this before. So put yourself in those moments. What's the secret to the cup of cookies at the state fair? Have you, have you ever wondered this? Like it is one of life's great mysteries. You show up to the state fair, you get the cup of cookies, you wait in line, you get it. And there is something magical about that cup of cookies that I will do it by the handful, you know, by both hands. We don't care, all right? All right, we're, we're going right and left hand into the mouth, and we are saying, thank you, God. What is it about these cookies? There's a secret. What's the secret, right? What is the secret? Also, what's the secret to the Chick-fil-A sauce? Anybody know this? This is like Jesus' sauce, man. I mean, if you're looking for a spiritual way to glorify God in your eating life, you get the Chick-fil-A sauce and you dip whatever you want to dip in that stuff. And it is, man, what's the secret to that? Okay, on a more serious note, what's the secret to parenting, <laughs> right? Right, can I get a witness and amen, right? Amen. I just, what's the secret? Is there a book? Is there a phrase? Is there something we're supposed to do better, different? Um, what's the secret to great friendships? Some of you have wondered that. What's the secret to that? Like, how do you, how do some people have so many friends and I have one or two or three or whatever? And you're like, man, this, they, they're great at friendships. How do they do that? What's the secret? Well, I'll let you in on a little secret from C.S. Lewis, a great theologian of the past generations. And he said, friendship is having the same insight or the same interest with someone else, and when you discover that same insight and that same interest of someone else, you, you almost in your soul connect with that other person and you say, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. That's how all great friendships start is, what? You like this thing too? And I thought I was the only one. I listened to, um, we have a lot of hunters at church, you know, so we have guys at church that talk about hunting. I don't hunt. You know, I don't hunt a lot. I've hunted a couple times in my whole life. Um, my grandpa, we were, we were pushing through Wisconsin pine trees when I was a little kid, and we were pushing deer to the, the shooters or whatever, and my grandpa went through this pine tree, pulled back this huge branch, let it go, whoop-bam, hit seven-year-old me down, down on my face, smacked me straight in the face, and then I was like, whoa. And he's like, get up, sissy. You know, <laughs> all right. And then every night was a drunk fest in the, in the trailer, northern Wisconsin guys. I mean, just all in a trailer. You can imagine what that was like. And I'm like, if this is hunting, I'm out. So I've never been into hunting. But when I listen to guys, 
when I listen to guys talk about hunting in my church, I'm just like, out. But you know what they're thinking? They're like, you too? I thought I was the only one, right? And they talk about deer stands and shooting and all this stuff. Now, few things drive us more crazy in life than hearing the phrase, it's a secret. It's a secret, right? You want to know something? Hey, what's that thing about? Sorry, it's a secret. And it's like, oh, that's like the word. It drives us crazy when we hear that phrase because then we're driven, right? We are driven like nobody else to figure out that information. What's the secret? Well, Paul is going to be talking about the secret of joyful gospel partnerships. And when you see a gospel partnership, that's two individuals who are working together in Jesus to get the gospel message out to people who need to hear it. And when you see great gospel partnerships happen, you know it. You see that, that, that camaraderie, that teamwork. You're like, whoa, how in the world is that happening? And ultimately, when you see a church that's on mission partnering together, you're, you're like, man, what in the world? How does everybody agree on the same thing here? Because that's powerful. That's joyful gospel partnerships. So a partnership is a little different than a friendship in that it's, it's more of a relationship from Christian to Christian that blesses you, excites you, edifies you, and supplies you, okay? So a gospel partnership is a, a relationship that excites you, edifies you, builds you up, supplies you with what you need financially, and blesses you to keep going. Now, these gospel partnerships are not automatic, right? Um, they take time. It takes the Holy Spirit working through the Word to bond people together in this, but Paul had it with the Philippian church. He had this gospel partnership. It was amazing. The Philippians were one of his favorite churches, and they worked so well together, and Paul is talking about the gift, the financial gift that he received from the Philippian church. He's, he's showing gratitude for that gift at the very end of this letter. And he's saying, hey, thanks for the joyful gospel partnership that we have together. Thank you for your gift. And then he explains what that means. Now, my sermon title this morning is titled Joyful Gospel Partnerships. Okay, Joyful Gospel Partnerships. And you can see where I'm getting this in verse 10. In verse 10 of chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says this, I rejoiced, or I have great joy in the Lord. Now, at length, you have revived your concern for me. He's telling the church that. He's like, wow, you've revived your concern for me. And that concern is partnership. You've revived your partnership with me. And you indeed were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So in the providence of God, the Philippian church and Paul had done this. Like Paul started the church and then they split it apart. Paul had not heard from this church in 10 years. 10 years. And all of a sudden he gets a financial gift to, delivered to him from Epaphroditus. And he is like, whoa, this is amazing. I'm so thankful for our partnership in the gospel. And if you know Paul... In his writings in the New Testament, he is always giving thanks for his gospel partnerships. All the time. Very grateful guy. Always thankful for people. Always thankful for churches. Always thankful for individuals that are supporting him financially and also with him in the, in the work of the gospel. If you read Romans 16, read it this afternoon. Paul's got all these friends that he's thankful for. 
So as we talk about that at Living Waters this morning, I just want you to get to the heart of the message of Paul. When we're doing joyful gospel partnerships, it's one of the most amazing feelings in the world. And if you're a Christian and you've, you've stretched yourself out for Jesus before, you understand and know what I'm talking about. If you go all out for Christ and you start living for Christ and speaking for Christ and witnessing for Christ, is there any better feeling in the world when someone else comes up to you and says, I see what you're doing, I support you in what you're doing, and I'm going to come alongside you in what you're doing. You know, that's awesome. In the past 14 years as the history of a church, we have seen at Living Waters time and time again, God provide not only friends and interested people that come to church, but partners. People have said, you know what? We love what you're doing. We love this location. We love the neighborhood. We love all this stuff. We are with you. That's an amazing feeling. Amen? Our church has been very blessed with a lot of partnerships, joyful gospel partnerships. Now, Paul's going to tell us the secret of how those things happen. How does a gospel partnership happen? Here's the secret, okay? okay? Paul's going to whisper in our ears this morning, here's the secret. And we're going to listen really well, because you've got to listen well when people whisper. Here's the secret to joyful gospel partnerships. Two elements. A satisfied servant and a gracious or generous patron. So the first element of joyful gospel partnerships is a satisfied servant, verse 11 through 13. Paul leads off in verse 11 by saying, not that I'm speaking out of need, but I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul starts in verse 11 with the phrase, not that I am speaking of being in need. Paul is basically saying here, I'm no beggar, okay? Thank you for the gift of money. Really appreciate it. I want you to know I'm not talking to you because I'm this gospel beggar on the street. He's not the guy with the cardboard sign in, in Rome, you know, saying, you know, gospel veteran in need of help. Anything helps, right? That's not Paul. He's not sitting on the side of a street begging for money. He is saying, I'm not speaking out of being in need. I want you to understand, Philippian church, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. It's already, it's a process. I've learned it. And I'm learning what? Contentedness. Now that word for content means to be satisfied or to be filled up. I want you to know I've learned how to be filled up and content in my life. I've learned this through a process Church, Christian, I, I'm sure this is not news to you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Contentment is a process. Can I get an amen? Contentment is a process. Can I get a witness? You don't just roll out of bed tomorrow morning and say, I'm 100% content in Jesus. Wow, this is amazing. Look at me. I feel great. I have no needs in my life. All right? Not one of us will wake up tomorrow with that spirit, 100%. No way. Every one of us will wake up tomorrow saying, oh my, I have an enemy in my heart. And that enemy is discontentment. Because it's natural for us. And so what Paul is saying, Christian contentment is rare. It's amazing. 
and it should be building into the lives of Christians. You as a Christ follower, the more you get to know Jesus, the more content you should be coming, right? It's a process that happens over time. Here's the issue with us. We are naturally discontent. So our sin nature, because we are sinners, we are naturally discontent. Now, I don't want to get too negative here, but I just want to be honest. Is that all right? I just want to be honest about our contentment levels. We struggle with this every single day, every single moment of every single day. We struggle with our physical circumstances, and we say, if I only, if I only could be X, Y, Z, I would finally be happy. Can I just tell you, you won't. You won't. The ultimate contentment that we will feel and find is when we step into heaven and see Jesus Christ face to face. Amen? That is the ultimate day of contentment. Now, every day that we live on this sin-cursed world, we look at our physical possessions and we say, man, I wish I had a better car. I wish I had a nicer house. How many of you would like $10,000 extra on your salary, like right here, right now? Amen? Can I get a witness? Hey, we're getting charismatic up in here. I like it. Every one of us would want more money. Every one of us feels like we work really hard for what we get, and we're underappreciated, undervalued, and undercompensated. Every single person deals with that on a sinful level. We look at our friends and our relationships, and we say, man, I could be better, it could be better Discontentment is easy, and it is so accessible all the time. Did you know every screen in your life is driving you towards more discontentment? Every screen in your life. TV, phone, iPad, I don't care. Whatever pad you got, whatever screen you got in your life, it is literally building discontentment in you because you all of a sudden you're looking at all this stuff and you're like, oh man. I didn't know that I needed that stuff, but I need that stuff right now. Can I get a witness? I guess I, I had no idea that product existed for 38 years of my life, but I need that product right now. Like, it's amazing how good marketing people are because they know exactly how to do this and they build this contentment into us. Now, what we try to say to ourselves is lies. We say, if I could just have X, Y, Z, I'd be happy. I will be happy finally. No, you won't. No, you won't. How do I know? Amazon exists. <laughs> Amazon exists. Like, it's like next day shipping. It's two-day shipping. Some of it's hourly shipping. Some of it's one-day shipping. You're like, I, if I could just go to Amazon, I will find maybe one more order. I will find satisfaction in my soul. You won't and you don't. It's always something new. So, contentment in God is what Paul's talking about. And he's saying, look, I am a satisfied servant of Jesus Christ. Philippian church, I want you to know that Jesus satisfies me like no one else. And I have all my needs met. Paul, you're in jail. Paul, you, you barely have food to eat. Paul, you barely have tattered clothes on your back. How can you say you know the secret of, of contentment? And he says, because I've discovered it, I've learned it. It's a process. 
And I know that serving Jesus, giving my heart to Jesus, speaking for Jesus, doing ministry for Jesus, there will be times when you will be brought low in that, in that experience. And then there's also times you'll be lifted up, you'll be exalted, you'll have abundance. Paul said, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He understands sometimes in ministry you get a lot, and sometimes you get a little, but the reality of what Paul is saying to you and I this morning is he's saying, I have Jesus, I have all that I need. Here's my question to you. Can you say that? I have Jesus. I have all that I need. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can you say that this morning? I hope so. You can in the gospel. Here's the reality of what Paul is saying. Sometimes there's money in the bank account, sometimes there's not. When you are forming gospel partnerships with other people and you're laying your life down for Christ and you're growing in Jesus's grace, sometimes you're going to be humbled and you're going to be low. Sometimes you're going to have abundance and things are going to go well no matter what, that is not the foundation of your joy in Christ. The foundation of your joy in Christ is Christ himself. How much time did you spend with Jesus this week? Just talking to him. He's a person, you know. He's in heaven. He lives to make intercession for us. He's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Take that, IHOP. He's the God of all creation, the Lord of the universe. He's the Savior who died on the cross. He's the resurrected King of kings. And all he wants is a relationship with you. That's all he wants. Wow. To find joy in him is the ultimate life hack. Like this is the thing that will give you joy in your life. Not your money, not your salary, not your circumstances, not your relationships. All those things are byproducts of knowing Jesus. Our budget for this year as a church approved for 2022 is $384,000. Cool. Praise God. We're trying to leverage all that money for gospel work. What if it was zero next year? What if the world fell apart and it's zero? Is Jesus still good? Amen, he is. Would we struggle to believe that? Amen, we would. It's a fight. But it's a fight, Christians. We have to be willing to fight and say, Lord, here's, I'm just going to be honest with you. I got discontentment in my heart. I don't know what else to say to you, but I am going to give this to you, confess it to you, and would you satisfy me with who you are? If you are satisfied in Jesus as his servant, you are the most free person in the world. You are the richest person in the world. And then Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Again, I'll try not to be too negative about this verse because this verse is so used and abused in our culture right now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's on your walls. It's on your social media posts. So many people have made verse art with this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you very much. I can do this. I can be that. And we basically turned it into a humanistic excuse to be whatever you want to be, right? Because Christ will strengthen you in whatever you want to be. That's not what Paul's saying at all. When I was in Sunday school class as a little kid, I had this little basketball poster in Mark Stalkup's uh, you know, Sunday school class, and it was this guy dunking the ball like this with this verse on it. Well, that's a bad thing for a nine-year-old who's sports-obsessed. I'm like, dude. 
Trust in Jesus, I can jam it? Awesome. I'm in. I'll take Jesus. I'll take Jesus for a 42-inch vertical, please. Thank you so much. I dunked a volleyball in college. I could never palm the stupid ball. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, you know what? My legs were the problem, right? Like, I just need a little bit more ups. White men can't jump. What can I say, right? Let's try it. This verse doesn't mean I can dunk or you can dunk or whatever. This verse means I can endure any physical circumstance imaginable. Having a lot of support, no support. A lot of money, no support. I can endure any circumstance that is put in my way and I can grow in my love for Jesus in the middle of that hard circumstance through Christ who strengthens me. Church, I just want to encourage you to smile because you know what? You can get through it. Praise God, you can. Whatever you're walking through, you can get through it. Not because you're awesome, because Jesus will strengthen you. The power of the gospel is inside you. You've believed in Jesus. His Holy Spirit is in you to get you through it and to get you loving what you need to love the most. As humans, we are famously sinful for loving secondary issues. We get off track so easy. And Paul is saying, look, if you want to see a joyful gospel partnership happen, it starts with your heart being close to Jesus. Find your satisfaction in him. Find your joy in him. I just read this in my devotions yesterday. 2 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, looking for someone to give strong help to whose heart is fully his. How awesome. You know, God's looking. He's looking. Right now, this morning, he's looking all over the earth for men and women who will be satisfied in Jesus. And then he says, once I find those people who are satisfied with Jesus, I will give my strong help to them because their heart is given to me. So my question for you this morning is this, are you a satisfied servant of the gospel? The gospel will not go forward outside of this church into our neighborhoods unless we have a bunch of people who really believe in Jesus, really believe in him, satisfied in him, joyful in him, loving him. If you get a bunch of people walking out these doors today who really mean it, like are confessing discontentment and really mean it to be content in Jesus, the world will change. We will change the world if you really believe this. That's the first thing about gospel joyful partnerships. The second element to joyful gospel partnerships is the generous patron. Generous patron. This is in verse 14 through 20. So not only do you have to have a satisfied servant, but you have to have a gospel patron. It says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians, you know that no one else helped me in the gospel and entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. And then verse 17, Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And he says, in verse 18, he says, Your gift is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And then verse 19 is the famous verse, my God will supply all your needs according to your riches and glory forever. So 
Paul leads off in verse 14 by saying, yet it was kind of you to share my troubles. So Paul is satisfied in God, right? But he's also thankful for the gift. <laughs> Paul is human after all, right? He is really satisfied in Jesus, but he's also thankful for the money, right? The church sent the money along. Paul can use it. He'll leverage it for the gospel. He's thankful for the patronage of the Philippian church. Now, what is a patron? Because my point is gospel patron. What is a patron? A patron is a group or an individual who uses wealth or material blessing to help an individual, an institution, or a cause. So this church, the Philippian church, was a patron of Paul's. They sent money, sent support to Paul as the servant of the gospel, and Paul leveraged that gift for the glory of God. Now, the Philippian churches, they were, they were ready to give. It wasn't just a, hey, pray for you. Hey, Paul, know you're suffering and they're in prison. I'm sure Rome is tough this time of year. Hey, man, we're praying for you, okay? Be warm, be filled, bro. We're praying for you, which is a very Christianese thing to say, and we say it a lot today. Hey, praying for you, praying for you, praying for you. How easy are those words, praying for you? Very, very easy. What's the follow-through on prayer? Hard, hard. It's hard to pray for people. You want to really pray? It's labor. That is hard. And if you don't know that yet, all right, commit to praying. You'll see how hard it is. It's awesome, but it's hard. But what about prayer? Prayer only? No. The Philippian church is saying not only prayer, but financial giving. We see your needs, and we're going to send a gift through Epaphroditus to help your needs, Paul. And so this gospel patronage is the Philippian church saying, we're not just going to mouth support, we are going to give support. And this is what you got to have in gospel partnerships. you got to have people that are serving God, serving Christ, preaching the word, doing all things. And you have to have a church or a group of individuals that are behind the preaching of the word to say, you know what, we're with you, not only with our words, but we're also going to write checks. We're also going to give money sacrificially so that the gospel can go forward. Have you ever read this verse in Psalms? Because this is true all throughout scripture. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. The generous person is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Have you ever read that before? It's amazing. The Bible is littered with all these verses about generosity, being generous, being generous with your money and your time and your talent. And so the gospel partnership that Paul had with the Philippian church is giving and receiving. And then Paul clarifies the giving. He's not saying, hey, just fork over all your life savings accounts, please, and just give it all to my ministry here in Rome. Paul doesn't do that. In verse 17, he massively hits a home run about the motivation for giving. Okay, He says this, not that I seek the gift, verse 17, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul says, I'm not really seeking the money. I mean, I'll take it and I'll use it. But basically what I'm doing is I am so excited that you gave this gift because you, Philippian church, are going to experience a spiritual blessing as a result of supporting the gospel's work here. Paul's not even concerned about himself. How cool is that? Isn't that amazing? He's concerned about the blessing that the Philippian church is going to get. His whole emphasis is not me, Take the spotlight off me. Take, take the emphasis off the money. 
I'm excited that you, generous donor, generous patron, you're, you're getting a blessing from God himself through this gift. Now, how do, you, how do you know the difference between false teachers and true teachers in Christianity? Well, I think this verse will help you. False teachers don't say stuff like verse 17. False teachers say, hey, give me the money. Let's build huge buildings and let me live in million-dollar mansions and let me drive you know, really nice cars and fly really nice planes. Thank you, church. Right? That's what false teachers say all the time. And they're always on you about money all the time. I mean, it's money, 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 all the time. Servants of the gospel say it's not about money at all. I don't really care. Right? Whatever you want to give, high, low, whatever our ministry looks like, that's up to your cheerful heart of giving. What I really care about is that in your giving, you're cheerful and you're receiving the blessing of the gospel in your giving. Have you ever heard that before? That is an amazing thing. And so Paul says, look, this offering is a fragrant offering to God, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, verse 18. So he is saying giving is worship. Let me just say it again. Giving is worship. Amen? Giving is a worship act unlike anything else, and it's on par with everything else. It's as important as preaching, teaching, obeying, serving, singing, Brandon, singing, encouraging, remodeling, not that we would know anything about that, counseling, giving is on the same par as all of these other disciplines. And Paul says it is worship. You know what? God loves a cheerful giver. That's what 1 Corinthians says. So if you're a gospel patron, you might be able to give a lot of money. You might be able to just give a minimum amount of money. It just has to be sacrificial. And it needs to be what? Cheerful. Smile when you give. Amen? Smile. It's just your money, right? Just give it away. What? Yeah, give it away. Because when you give it away, it's worship to God. If you do it with a cheerful heart, it's worship to God. The late Billy Graham said this, give me five minutes with your checkbook and I'll show you where your heart is. Now, how about this? Let's modernize Billy a little bit. You know, give me five minutes with your credit card statement or your Apple Pay or your Venmo or whatever else you're using, and I'll show you where your heart is. You want to see where your heart is? Follow the dollars. That's exactly where your heart is. And so the reality of giving is this. Giving is worship. Any, any gospel patron knows if you're giving to the gospel servant who's satisfied in God, you're excited because your giving is worship to God God gets the glory through the proclamation of the gospel and everybody moves forward and lives are changed. It's awesome. And then Paul finishes with this verse that you know very well, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours, Philippians. Paul is saying, Philippians, God will honor you for your gift to me and he will meet every need of yours. Every single need that you have in your life as a result of your gift, God will meet the need. Guaranteed. How can you say that, Paul? According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Church, how rich is Jesus right now? He's pretty rich. 
Jesus is sitting in heaven on the, th- on the right hand of the throne of God with all resources at his disposal, praying for you and me, building up his church, and there's nothing that he doesn't own. Jesus owns everything right now because he resurrected from the dead. That's amazing. So Jesus will meet your need. How? According to his riches in glory. All the riches he has at his disposal, he will meet your need. He's got more than enough. More than Powerball, more than whatever lottery you're playing. No matter what your, your, your income is, Jesus is like, that's nothing to me. Nothing. I own it all. So, he meets your needs according to. I just want to hit that phrase as we close. Not out of, according to. If you ask a rich guy to meet your needs out of his riches, hey, can you give me something out of your bank account? What's he going to give you? Something. He might give you 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, right? Because it's out of. It's just out of the pot. Here you go. But if you ask a rich man to meet your needs according to his riches, according to his riches, that means in the parallel track of what he owns, you're going to get thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars because to him it's no big deal. You see it in social media feeds and you see it on headlines all the time. XYZ celebrity gives $10,000 to kids in need and you're like, whoa, that's amazing. 10 grand. That's, I couldn't give 10 grand. All right. They're giving out of their riches, not according to $10,000 to really rich people is like a dollar to you and me, okay? Common folks like us. So when you're saying, when Paul is saying, God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, it's no problem for God to take care of you, which means you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Jesus will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we have seen this over and over and over and over and over again at Living Waters. Have we not? We have seen this testimony over and over at this church because we refuse to take debt. We do trust God to supply all of our needs. We're just, we're just moving and trusting God. May it ever be, amen? May it ever be at Living Waters. So as we close... We'll have the band come up here and just close us up. Joyful gospel partnerships involve satisfied servants and generous patrons. So if you're a believer here this morning, I just, I'm just asking and begging the Holy Spirit to make these verses come alive to you. Are you content, Christian? Are you, are you satisfied in God? If you're not, confess it. Get it right. Do some business with Jesus. Are you a gospel patron? I hope so. You know, we're not, we're not the richest church in the history of the world. We're just a bunch of people, right, that love Jesus. Are you a gospel patron? I hope so. Maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Maybe you need to give to God's church. Maybe you need to give to gospel servants that you know. Maybe you should step it up. Trust God. Have an adventure called generosity. Some of you are here and you don't know Christ. You're not a Christian yet. You haven't given your heart to Jesus like Ava and Ezra. But maybe God's stirring in your heart. Maybe God's working inside you. And you know I'm not content. 
If you die in your sins without Jesus' forgiveness, with discontentment in your heart, you will be discontented for all eternity in hell. Think about that. Jesus offers you forgiveness. He offers you satisfaction. He offers you eternal life if you'll repent and believe. And if you think about Jesus, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, Consider Jesus who, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. When Jesus came to this earth, no one was more satisfied as a servant of God than Jesus Christ. He walked around. He owned heaven, and he walked around this earth, and he said, foxes have holes in the ground, and birds have nests in the air, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Wow. Jesus hung on that cross as the most satisfied servant of God who's ever lived. And Jesus was also the most gracious patron in the history of the world, the most generous patron. He came down to the earth, and what did he do? He just gave all the time. He healed the sick. He ministered to the poor. He gave of his time. He, he did all the teaching that anybody wanted. Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, and now all he does is give. That's all he does right now is give to believers joyfully. He's the most generous patron, not you or me. Building his church up doing miracles in South Des Moines. It's awesome. So if you don't know that Jesus yet, you're not saved, this is the morning. You need to repent of your sins, trust in Christ, and just feel the joy of forgiveness. Let's all stand up. I'll pray. We'll sing. Lord, thank you for this time in your word. Your word is powerful, God, and your spirit is powerful. joyful gospel partnerships. Lord, would you satisfy us? We admit, Lord, our hearts are moving towards discontentment. So God, just help us confess, get right, return. God, you are most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in you. And Lord, You've been the greatest patron. You've been the greatest supporter of us, Lord. And now you're calling us to be patrons for each other, to be generous. Help our church to be generous to the poor, to the needy, to the neighborhood, to each other. All for your glory. And God, save somebody too. Would you please just save someone from their sins right now? they repent and believe in Christ. Lord, help us respond in Jesus' name.
dismiss he will return in robes of white the blazing sun will pierce the night 
it's happening. It's coming. That day is coming, church. Amen? Amen. And until that day comes, let's be satisfied in him. And let's support the work of the gospel as we go. Love you guys. You're dismissed. Hopefully see you at Easter Lake Beach in a few minutes.